When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Welcome to it. Great to be with you on a Tuesday. It's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal getting ready to uh, hit all things. Uh, cool video out. Nebraska does such a, a money job with their production staff and uh, social media. So we'll hear, and you many, many of you have seen it, a message from uh, Coach Osborne to the team. Scott Frost tweeting that out. Uh, a little while ago, we'll check in with Mitch Sherman, his takeaway on the Torres commitment, College World Series, and uh, we'll get Mitch to get his crystal ball out. Just what's the number for Will Bolt? I know we've talked about it. You have the Omaha World Herald reporting, Sam McEwen, that uh, Bill Moose did have uh, a sit down with uh, Coach Will Bolt last week. So, some baseball to dive into when it comes to uh, D Day being Monday for. Sticky substances. Rob Manfred has spoken from his throne. <laughs> no more spider tack. Jacob Padilla is blowing out the candles. He's a young pup, but uh, we'll spend some time with him. We have a maybe uh, later today for Coach Kaczynski. So uh, Tuesdays with Kaz are a, a fun thing, but uh, it's up in the air right now. Numbers to get in can join us at 466-3776-466-3776-800-825-5865. College World Series is set. You'll be hearing uh, parts of that coverage via Westwood One uh, during the weekend. And on Monday, we'll be up at uh, Zipline in Omaha uh, just uh, around the corner from TD Ameritrade. So, Roadshow, we're taking the suit with us. Uh, Mr. Rob and Elijah, you got your uh, well, you got your bags packed for uh, for a roadie. I mean, it's, it's an hour. I mean, what 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 do we need to pack? <laughs> I don't know, dude. I don't know how you road tripped. One minute you're you're, you're working, the next minute you're camping in the winter time. So. Yeah, I'm ready to pack up and go whenever. Like, I it's it's my uh, it's the doomsday prepper within me. You ever watch that show growing up? You know, you gotta have your bug out gear ready. I, I would ready I would flip through it. <laughs> I imagine there is 17 cases of pork and beans in your basement. The beans, yes. I, I'm not a big fan of the canned pork. Well, it's it's usually you're talking, you're talking like spam together. No, I'm, I mean I've never had spam, but it's together where you got the little hot dog pieces within. Oh, okay, the yeah, beans. yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, yeah, I have, I have a few of those then. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I mean, it's, it's it's the bacon bits, but it's you've got canned goods uh, galore in your basement. You're you're a doomsdagger. No. No, no I'm not. <laughs> you just want, you just point and laugh at everybody living off the land, and they have seven seven bomb shelters. We've got an RSVP from our dear friend Doug Duda, 
He just Ooh. checked in from uh, ESPN Superstation, Carney Hastings, Grand Island. That's good. So can email Chris at HaleVarsity.com. Get your e- emails in there. Give us a follow on Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio and at Herbal Essence for Elijah Herbal. Let's hear. You've kind of condensed the Tom Osborne comments today. Uh, let's lead off with that because Tom Osborne's obviously incredible at what he did uh, as a head coach and just his knowledge, his leadership, his intelligence level. And you ask his former players, some will call him Yoda uh, or a soothsayer, whatever you want to deem him, what he says comes true. That's just his brilliance. Uh, you look at his doctorate in psychology, educational psychology, uh, human behavior, just knowing how to motivate, know, knowing how to connect with people, and knowing how to lead. I mean, he's he's fabulous at it. And, and by the way, he's uber competitive and was just better than you, smarter than you, and uh, had teams ready to go at an, an obscene level of consistency. And I think that's kind of what we're searching for if you're in Nebraska, an obscene level of consistency because you had it in baseball, right? You saw that in a short turnaround time, keeping with Will Bolt here. You saw that team lock in, and baseball is such a mental strain. It, it is. I mean, pitch by pitch, different at bats are you ready in the field? i mean just go through the process of a nine inning game you've got to be locked in mentally on top of the the requirements physically to to be worth a damn uh for football it's it's a year-round process and what you do in the off season really does get you ready for august and what you do in august and then your monday through friday prep delivers a lot of results on Saturday. Here is Coach Osborne, uh, his message to the team. And, and T.O. is so good about cracking a joke. <laughs> uh, he, he's so good. Uh, he just He has this funny little one-liner joke to kind of ease the tension before he gets into the meat of his discussion. I'm not going to be able to say anything to you that's going to be miraculous. But I, I do have a little sense of history around here. Matter of fact, I I guess many people say I am history. Over that 42-year period, we never had a losing season. We won 82% of our games, 25 conference championships, and five national championships. The thing's important right now is to understand that it starts now. By the time you start practice in August, your season will already be 60% determined. And the question is, what kind of a price are you willing to pay? Where you end up is going to depend on how strictly you adhere to the things that you have to do. Are you willing to pay a greater price? It's not easy. If you did the right things with the right intensity on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday, the winning and losing took care of itself. There's enough talent right now to play with any of those people. The question is, what do you do with what talent you have? So that is a condensed version of a four-minute video that was put out by Nebraska Football Twitter and posted by Scott Frost, and it was Coach Osborne speaking to the team in all valid points, valid questions. Let's dive into that here. You know, it, it's 
Do you want to be great? Sure, why not? Yes, we all want to be great. What do you put in to make yourself great? And when it comes to training, okay, the, the, the time you put in that's required, I have no doubt that there's a successful plan mapped out by the coaches, by Zach Duvall, by your your normal practice schedule that you're going to be able to get reps. Now, what what mistakes are you making during practice? How are those being corrected? Are they being corrected? Or are you seeing the same mistakes happen? For the last two years, you've seen mental mistakes and false starts and holdings and things like that. What Greg Austin talked about this spring was slowing practice down for guys to finish their blocks, and you can't you can't correct on film. You got to correct on the field. The dreaded run it again, <laughs> run it run it again till it's right. So you make that block. So you 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 get that technique down. So that is good. I'm not saying that's the the root of all problems, but clearly Nebraska at times doesn't look like they're they're coached, and we know they're coached but you're not seeing it on Saturdays. Um, You've seen it cost you too many ball games. Uh, What do you do with that talent? To me, that's huge because, Elijah, as you look at the roster and you look at Nebraska, you grew up, I grew up seeing Nebraska have or develop guys to a certain level that they could hang with, as Coach Osborne said, we have an 82% winning percentage. Eight out of ten games, you're going to go win. Because you're just better. You're either better mentally, you're better physically, you're better depth-wise, and and you are are willing to pay that price that Coach Osborne talked about. And and I think what you're running into with certain position groups in the past, and maybe it'll be different this year. Maybe it won't. I don't know. Time will time will tell. But are you putting in the extra? That's what I marvel about with some of the championship teams. Okay, and Coach McBride's talked about this. Grant Wistrom's talked about this, and not to go glory days on you, but guys like Jay Moore, even, uh, and and that's during the Callahan era, but still, Nebraska, you know, the, the, a Nebraska kid putting in the extra work. Are guys doing that with with the playbook? Are guys doing that with their quarterback? Are guys doing that so when their time comes, they're ready to go? and uh, can can kind of take the ball and run, so to speak. That's my question, because we see some position groups, and I look at running back. Are, are guys, are they being asked to do too much, or are they ready to go and just not getting a chance to prove they're ready when they have an opportunity in practice, or, and I'm just picking out one position group, or the guys not know the playbook well enough to, to make a dent, to be able to run whatever the coaches want to run. I mean, those are all all questions that are in the atmosphere right now. But it, it goes back to what Osborne said. Are you willing to pay a price? And it isn't easy. And I think guys are sick of losing. I hope, if I'm a Nebraska fan, I hope that this is the mindset. They're sick of losing to the point where uh, th- th- they're not going to take it anymore and they're, they're done. They're going to do everything within their power extra on top of what's been laid out to finally get over some of those humps this year. 
Yeah, and I think back to our, our last conversation with Amir Abdullah whenever he signed his extension, and he was telling us how on Friday nights he would be sitting uh, down in the film room with Rex Burkhead at Memorial Stadium watching film instead of being out with his friends, being out partying, uh, which he had all very, the, the right to do. That's what you do as a college kid. But instead, he was at Memorial Stadium putting in that extra work and grinding, and you see the results that it, it, it generated. And I think that's the mindset you need to have. You have to have that mindset of, Look at how hard I have worked this past year. Nobody in this country has outworked me. I'm the best. Like nobody that I'm going to play this year is going to have outworked me. And once you have that mindset going in and saying, I outworked everybody on this field, so therefore I'm going to be better than everybody else in that field. It's a mindset thing of saying, I'm the best. We're going to win because I have gone out there and I have done the work that I needed to do. And that work is more than anybody else. Well, what do you do with that talent? That that does fall on on the coaches, right? And Look at a guy, and case in point with Cam Taylor Britt. Cam Taylor Britt played quarterback in high school and did whatever the hell he wanted on the defensive side of the ball in high school, and he comes to Nebraska, and he's done it all. He's played inside corner. He started at corner for the first time at the college level, was incredible last year, and and prior to that, filled in at safety. Look at JoJo Doman, how he's transformed himself to be a, a phenomenal hybrid guy uh, where you can cover, you can come in off the edge, and you're such a, a valued piece of that defense because there, there's, no, there's no liability in your game from a size, speed, and strength standpoint at a crucial position in a 3-4 defense, an outside linebacker. Those are two guys I'm, I'm confident. They're going to will that defense to keep getting better offensively, where's your quarterback at? And you think you got a guy in Adrian Martinez that now in his fourth year is at peace with where his game is at, with where his comfort level is. Adrian's been through so much ups and downs and and tests in his life, pre-football, okay? And for <laughs> it's just one more, one more, giant piece of adversity pie you got to go through a year ago where you get benched and then you come back and then you got to stay healthy you know where's he at where, where's he at to to take that step and kind of regain freshman form uh, because the talent's there uh, and it's it's kind of time to prove it and and it, it is your show there's no nobody knocking on your door and Maybe he needed to be pushed again last year, and hence you had the the, the Luke McCaffrey uh, insertion because you weren't playing well. Now, maybe as we go back in hindsight, pulling him against Northwestern, and I was the last guy to say time to pull Adrian because I don't think you do that to your quarterback. And I, even even after that touch that that interception in the end zone where it was just an off throw where he had Austin Allen right that interception in the red zone is just a killer, right? And Nebraska's red zone issues have been well documented. I'm the last guy to get on the, well, let's try Luke out bandwagon, but I was calling for it, just sitting in my chair watching Nebraska-Northwestern a year ago. He comes in, there's still red zone problems. You don't do much offensively. And then you got this quarterback merry-go-round. And what happens? Well, Adrian's able to roll with the punches, battle back. Uh, show some real metal strength, 
and and you, you finish out even after a horrific turnover filled first half where you're trying to do too much you're not taking care of the football uh, I'm anxious to see what you do to Tom Osborne's point what you do with that talent that's on the coaches that's on the players and there's just there there, there there's an exhaustion of energy waiting for this thing to pop and there's so much build up about year four and what do you get done with this team that's been gifted a lot of returning difference makers on defense pretty good offensive line on offense do you find a couple of backs to lean on does your quarterback take that step forward where you where you make plays in games and you end up winning and we've seen adrian do a ton but those games a lot of times have been out of hand or there's no chance. I think of the, the Wisconsin's your case in point. It's your perfect example where you're shredding a Wisconsin defense, but you put up 24 points and you lose by 17. I mean, they're just they're empty calorie numbers. So good stuff from Coach Osborne tweeted out by Nebraska. We'll dive into a ton of things with Mitch Sherman next from The Athletic. It's Hale Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery. And we're back. Fellas, you think we could listen to the radio? On Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes! That's awesome! Thanks for hanging out. Hale Varsity Radio a Tuesday, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Mitch Sherman with us from The Athletic, at Mitch Sherman on Twitter. Mitch, how's your week? What's up? My week is good. Um, getting my car cleaned up for the uh, Big Red Blitz tomorrow, so... You got me at the pool last week, and today I'm at the car wash. <laughs> wonderful, wonderful. Where are you uh, going to be heading? Are you going to Columbus? I'm not going to Columbus. Um, who's in Columbus? Is that uh, that it's like a Tuioti group? Maybe might be. Uh, let me let me pull that up here. It's a good question. I, while you're doing that, I I am going to be in Grand Island. Okay, for Fred Hoiberg and Travis Fisher, and then I'm jumping groups to uh, Carney for the the head football coach. Scott Frost with uh, Nate Lenzer, mm-hmm. uh, new basketball assistant. So, um, yeah, I'm going to get a double dose of uh, Big Red Blitz. Well, that'll be, that, that'll be nice. I mean, good for you because I know there's going to be some uh, – you have North Platte, you have Carney at 2.30, mm-hmm. uh, and that's where Coach Frost will be at. And, uh, no, man, you'll get it done. I can't wait to, to get your take on some things with that. Uh, I want to get your thoughts here on, on Will Bolt and compensation – and uh-huh. I, I bring that up because I'm just curious to see, A, how soon that happens, and B, you know, what the number is after, after we look at what Nebraska was able to do. And by the way, just a little aside, how, how shocked are you Arkansas got whacked? Well, after 21-2 to two on Friday night, I didn't see it coming. I, yeah. thought, <laughs> I, thought, uh, I thought going into the week that we would see the Hogs in Omaha, and then it seemed to be basically a done deal with, uh, with uh, the shellacking that Arkansas put on NC State. But, hey, credit to NC State. Wow. To come back from that and just have the, um, the tenacity to really even be able to go out on the field and feel good about yourself on Saturday, great job by the leaders on that team and the, and the coaches on that team. I'm interested to see NC State in Omaha um, just because of that. Because if you can go into Arkansas and, and come back from one down in front of that crowd – then whatever you see in Omaha is really is 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 <laughs> you know, I don't want to say it's easy, but it's not that it's not that kind of a challenge. I mean, you're going to get Stanford on uh, 
on Saturday early in the in the day and in front of a, a neutral crowd. Um, it's going to be an electric atmosphere, I think, just because the baseball is back. But um, NC State is a team to watch after what it, after what it did. I, I'm surprised by Arkansas, but um, not shocked that a team that relies so much on one arm is uh, it, it you know didn't make it all the way. Same here. Uh, I they uh, they were the favorites and they didn't deliver. And kudos to NC State. When it comes to to Will Bolt and uh, and compensation, you know he's at three hundred k now. That's fifth in the mm-hmm. league. Mm-hmm. Uh, back mm-hmm. to this conversation. There's going to be a reinvestment with uh, recruiting budget, assistance, and, and Coach Bolt. It sounds like from Bill Moose. Mm-hmm. So I'm wondering what what that number looks like. What what's a and I know we hit on this last week, but it's it's a little bit more fresh uh, just with uh, with a report out there by the World Herald. So I'm interested to know um, just how suit you know what's the timeline on something like that, Mitch, and your dealings and, and working. Uh, Workings with administration from a reporting standpoint. Yeah. What's what's the turnaround? Yeah, right, quickly. I mean, the, you know, the new fiscal year starts July first, so you, a lot of times you want to make decisions in time for that if it if it matches up with the sport calendar. Um, and generally, these evaluations happen right after the year. So I would think that the season's over now, um, and Bill Moose and the, the sport administrator, whoever deals with baseball, if it's not Bill Moose directly. They're going to be sitting down and, and talking with Will Bolt, and you know, make him make him aware, make him make it make it known that he is um, a prized commodity at Nebraska, and that he should be paid like one of the top coaches in the Big Ten. Now he's young, and he in his experience doesn't match up to what you have at some programs in the league. And you have a guy at Michigan, obviously, in Eric Backage, who took his team to a to a, a College World Series championship series, and and that uh, you know, especially at Michigan which can invest in, in successful programs, is going to make him highly compensated. I would imagine after that run that the Wolverines had in 2019, he is the highest-paid coach in the league. I don't know that for certain, but um, it, wouldn't, it, would, it would surprise me if it's anything but that. Um, and I don't know that Will Bolt is going to pass him on the pay scale, but um, a couple more conference championships, maybe a trip to Omaha, and, and yeah, you'd expect it because Nebraska baseball is going to bring in revenue. And it's going to bring in more revenue than, than likely any program in the Big Ten for its school. So I would think it would happen fast. And, you know, Will's not going to be out there saying, hey, pay me now or, or I'm, I'm going to run to uh, the SEC or the Big 12. You know, we're seeing, we're seeing these schools uh, fill jobs. Um, I see TCU now is, is hiring Kirk Sarlos, longtime uh, um, assistant at many schools, and, you know, a, a name that's been known as, a, 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 you know, a pitching uh, guru for for many years in the sport, and and of course A and M has hired Jim Sloshnagel from from TCU. Um, you know, Will Bolt's not going anywhere, and that's not the reason that Nebraska's going to pay him. They're going to pay him because of the great job that he's done in two seasons, in particular what he did with this team this year in a, in a in a difficult circumstance to come off the pandemic without a full year under your belt as the head coach of the school win the league going away, and, and then have a great showing in the regional um, in a hostile environment. So he'll get paid for that, and, and you know, I think it would be a sizable increase that puts him um, probably among the top two or three in the league. So, Mitch, if there isn't much fear about Will Bolt going elsewhere this offseason, how much then risk is there in, in giving him an extension and a, a raise at, at this moment in time whenever he's only had one season? 
I think Nebraska knows what it has in him. And, you know, sometimes it takes five years to determine if, if a guy is the right fit for your program. And sometimes it takes three months. And with Will Bolt, I think Nebraska knows at this point that he's the guy that it wants running this program. You know, it, it, it was easy to see this year that what Nebraska did was not, you know, with mirrors. It wasn't, it wasn't uh, you know, by chance that this was through hard work and this was through empowering the players to lead this program and be strong-minded and resilient and very focused in what they were doing. Nebraska baseball had an identity this year that – I would say, and nothing against Darren Erstad because he had good teams, but I don't know that they ever had this strong of an identity under him, even even as as hard no. I think Darren struggled, and, I, and we've probably talked about this over the years. I think there were times where Darren struggled um, because he was so talented and so driven and so much just built to be a player that it was hard at times for him to come back to the level of the guys that he coached in college and not understand you know, why this guy didn't completely – sell out every ounce of energy in his body every day, every moment, because that's how Darren Erstad played. And, and if there's that disconnect at all between coach and player, it can lead to um, you know, some things where the identity isn't as strong. Will Bolt is a coach all the way, and he was a coach when he was a player um, in a lot of respects. So he's a perfect fit, and I think everybody sees that who watched Nebraska baseball this year. So there's not really a risk. The risk would be in, in not paying him, in not giving him – the compensation and the respect that, that he's earned, even at this young age and this, this level of experience in the game. And, and if you don't do that, you know, then, then you do run the, the, the possibility that a year or two years down the road, he could see something at an SEC or Big 12 program and, or an ACC program and, and, and make that jump. But, uh, you know, I don't, I, again, this is his alma mater. It's like Dave Van Horn going home to Arkansas. Um, I think this is where he wants to be for a long time, and, and I think that'll work out with, the, with uh, the way that Nebraska treats him. Mitch Sherman's with us, Hale Varsity Radio. Mitch with The Athletic, at Mitch Sherman on Twitter. Mitch, uh, let's talk recruiting. Uh, Richard Torres uh, verbally committing. What's your take on, on the quarterback from San Antonio? What did you think of his film, and what did you think of Nebraska's uh, get of this 2022 signal caller? Yeah, it's interesting to see the direction that Nebraska has gone with its quarterbacks the last two years. Of course, you had Heinrich Harburg last year, big 6'5 guy out of Kearney, and, and now another 6'5", 6'6", perhaps, uh, gunslinger from, from San Antonio. Um, you know, quite a change, quite a shift from, from Logan Smothers and Luke McCaffrey in the two previous years, and even Adrian Martinez is about 6'2", so... Nebraska wants to go big with its quarterbacks. And I know not everybody that the Huskers offered were, were, were giant guys, huge guys um, like Torres and Harburg this year. But this is, this is where they've ended up. And, you know, you see in the 23 class, they've offered Reese Mooney, the kid from, from Louisiana. I believe he's about six foot four. So that's, that's a trend, um, not just at the quarterback spot, but all over, I would say, the offense. I mean, defense, it, it, you're, you're going to want size, of course, and, and, and speed and I don't think Nebraska's changed a whole lot what it wants on the defensive side, athleticism. Offensively, big running backs like Gabe Irvin and, and Marquis Stepp, the transfer from USC, and, and you see Jacquez Gant emerging uh, this spring. Big tight ends, uh, the biggest tight end room, one of the biggest tight end rooms in the country. Austin Allen and, and Thomas Fedoni and Travis Bokelek are, are big guys. Big receivers now with Omar Manning bringing in Samari Toure, some of the recruits like Latrell Neville and Sean Hardy. That Nebraska signed this year, and then the offensive line is huge too. Like six, eight, six, nine guys on that offensive line. So it stands to, uh, you know, it, it would be contradictory 
if you had all that size and then you were recruiting six one quarterbacks, six foot six one quarterbacks, they're, they're not going to. No one's going to be able to see them in the huddle or, or in the meeting room. So it, Nebraska's offense is going to be big, and that's that's a direct uh, reaction, I would say, to the way that the first few years have gone in the Big Ten. Nebraska doesn't want to get pushed around when it has the ball. It, it you know it, it wants to go out and be the more physical, tone-setting team. And that includes the quarterback spot, a guy who can throw it as well as anybody in the league down the field, I think ultimately is what Nebraska is looking for. It seems to have found a guy with that kind of an arm in Richie Torres. Mitch, about a minute left. You don't have to answer this, but i got to ask, have you used spider tech ever when on the mound? You know the last time I pitched, like competitively? Yeah, um, when, I was like 16 when? years old. I, <laughs> I mean, really no. pitched, I mean, I pitched every day. Like, I pitched constantly uh, in, in practice and, uh, you know, in the cage. But, but I'm not using spider. No, against the 10-year-olds, I am not using spider tag. Just um, making sure, I man. Understand, I understand it's only like a mix. It's sunscreen and, uh, what, like dirt? I don't know. But Rosin. But, uh, rosin and sunscreen. Rosin. Yeah, rosin. Okay, yeah. Nope, nope. Uh, never, never used it, never tried it. But I might because I, I need to pick up my spin rate. Uh, the kids are starting to hit my straight stuff pretty well, so uh, spin rate needs to go up. I'm I'm going to uh, while everybody else is is getting rid of the spider tack, I'm going to start using it so I can strike these guys out. Under the bill, Mitch. Under the bill, just like put it in uh, my glove. I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to flaunt it. I'm going to I'm going to show them the stuff on my hands, and then and then. Uh, and then get strike them out. That's pretty good. Mitch, have a good uh, roadie, bud, uh, out to uh, your two stops for the uh, the Big Red Blitz, and uh, we'll see you hopefully around uh, around uh, CWS next week. All right, I'll be there. Thanks, Chris. Take care, bud. There he is, Mitch Sherman. So no. we, get, we get him at the pool, and he's vacuuming his car out, and you're an ump. Yeah, no, I was just going to say, you, you said throw that throw it underneath the, the bill of the cab. No, throw it on the second baseman somewhere, and then whenever you toss the ball around after a strikeout, he gets to ah, put it uh, on the ball. Himself. The old around-the-horn camo. Uh, more baseball thoughts coming up at Tail Varsity. Chime in, 402-466-ESPN, or email the show, chris at hailvarsity.com. Just try me. Try me. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. Good to have you back. Hail Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Jacob Padilla coming up in 20 minutes. We've got a 50-50 shot on Coach Kaz at 525. Is it time to do away with divisions in college football? We'll tackle that in the 5 o'clock hour. The Goo Cops, as they've been called, are set to uh, do their examinations uh, on Monday. As Major League Baseball's responded, their plan to combat the use of foreign substances is firmed up, and a memo is out to teams. So uh, that's how things are gonna gonna roll. And you have spider tech. You've got uh, spray on suntan lotion. You have a mix of rosin. You have the old KY or Vaseline ball that Harris or Gaylord Perry used to use. And it's it's been problematic. You've had constant complaining for a while now this year with what pitchers have alleged to have been doing. And you've got Trevor Bauer and Garrett Cole, two of your your more well known pitchers. And Cole's got the the best contract in all of baseball because of what he's been able to do. And uh, there's been some accusations and some allegations about just what pitching has done. And think about that. When you have the, the batting average 
at a 50-year low, you have already had six no-hitters. Now, is that all due to spider tack or suntan lotion or better doctoring of the ball? Probably a, a little bit, but here's Garrett Cole from a week ago. He was given the old, ha <laughs> gotcha, in a postgame, uh, and this was horrific. So he pretty much ratted out everybody that climbs the hill in Major League Baseball, whether you do it or not. And have you ever used spider tack while pitching? Um, I don't, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. Uh, I don't know quite. I don't quite know how to answer that, to be honest. Um, I mean, there are customs and practices that have been passed down from older players to younger players from the last generation of players to this generation of players. And, um, you know, I, I think, uh, I think there are some things that are certainly out of bounds in that regard. And, and, uh, I've stood pretty, stood pretty firm in, in terms of that, uh, in terms of the communication between our peers and whatnot. Um, you know, and, and I, again, like I mentioned earlier, there's, you know, this is important to a lot of people that love the game. And this is including, including the players in this room, including fans, including, you know, teams. And so if MLB wants to, you know, legislate some more stuff, that's a conversation that we can have. Man, that's the word. That's, that's, that's Billy Madison talking about the, the dog during story time uh, when he's doing the, uh, the, the brain bowl towards the end of the movie. And the teacher stops and says, that's the stupidest answer I've ever heard in my life. May God have mercy on your soul. None of us are smarter. In fact, we're dumber for that answer. Don't go rite of passage on me when it comes to well you know um uh it's yes it's no and you have the right to say no comment you can say next question you can say hell yes and i have seven ferraris because of my contract and i'm good without it but man am i great with it yeah, something Jim Rome said last week was when asked a, a yes or no question, if your answer is anything but no, that means yes. And that's that's very true there. He, I, I, mean, I don't I don't disagree with that. But but I mean, all, I mean, all the pitchers in the MLB are doing it like this isn't a Garrett Cole thing. I, I know he, he had that terrible answer. So that's why it's uh, it's going around. But I mean, Trevor Bauer, I think it was four years ago. Um, in one offseason, his spin rate went from like the 50th best starting pitcher in the majors to number one in one offseason. Like there's things these guys are doing that is, I mean, there's a reason spin rate is higher now on the balls than it's ever, than it ever has been. And it's not because they have this technology to finally track it and stuff and they can work on it. It's because they're applying substances to the ball to be able to get that spin rate. Everyone right. knows it. And, and listen, you, you, you're faster your spin rate, the more braking uh, pitches move, the more velocity you have, the tougher it is to hit, more strikeouts, more swings and misses. Balance of power in pure favor of the pitcher. Now, I will say this in defense of pitchers. You had a generation of people treating themselves like a pincushion, and scrawny leadoff guys were going yard fifty times a year. You you you've had to endure the steroid era. Not now, Garrett Cole, Trevor Bauer, but 
listen, uh, chicks dig the long ball. People love watching offense. I love watching just good baseball. It can be a score fast or it can be a, a three to two ball game. I really am not picky. I just want to see good baseball. Well, that's that's been the point of emphasis recently. Is they're trying to lower the the. The, this time of these baseball games and that's not my problem as a baseball fan if it's a great baseball game I don't care if it goes four and a half hours my problem is whenever you have you know a three hour and 45 minute just bore fest where I, I want to sleep halfway through that that's the problem I don't and I don't need I mean give me yeah I don't my problem is is someone that's OCD nomar like where you're adjusting your cup then you're spinning four times and then you've got your routine as you step out of the box each pitch or someone that's on the mound 17 times shaken off or that's not a quick a you know a rhythm a non-rhythm pitcher when he's on the hill i'll say this um major league baseball and pitchers i mean they here's what i feel the pitchers are are honestly doing they want to get paid they want to they want to really post pandemic and jacking with last year's schedule they want to get paid they want to own the box but they also know that listen the balls aren't like they used to be i think there's a real uh contingent of pitchers out there that say look man the baseballs we're using are way more hitter friendly. They're going to fly out. This is our recourse. The owners are good with not having or having a different ball that, you know, a live ball era for offense. And that makes our job tougher. So when it comes to negotiating, my wins and losses and ERA got to be in place. And and this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to, you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. And where are you going to, where are you going to go with this? Major League Baseball's responded. They're going to have routine checks of pitchers. They're going to check relief guys when they come out, after they come in, after the inning's done. They're going to routinely check catchers. They're going to check whoever they need to check. It could be the second baseman with a smear of something on his belt. And that's just how it is. And guys are just going to have to get more creative if they want to continue to doctor the ball. It's not... It's not sandpaper in the back pocket back in the day to get a better grip. So we'll see where this goes. We'll see if if offense suddenly jumps. I mean, strikeouts right now are higher than they've ever been in Major League history. It's incredible. Six no-hitters, record number of strikeouts, under 260 as an average for the league, uh, which, which is incredible. You need a happy medium, but the crackdown's there. And uh, the gotcha moment was a week ago. Major League Baseball's responded after weeks and weeks and weeks of complaints from owners. And now. And now. Back to Hale Varsity Radio. Ten minutes away, we'll check in with Jacob Padilla. HaleVarsity.com and Magazine. Dead period ends. It's the phone call slash contact frenzy for the 2023 basketball recruiting class. We'll get Jacob's take on things. You know, summer basketball is going and uh, dive into some football topics with him as well. Reminder about buckling up 
and uh, getting that safe ride home. Over 1,500 crashes each year in Nebraska involving an impaired driver driving drunk buzzer high. Never acceptable. Law enforcement officers are working every day to stop it before more people are killed or injured. If you're going to drive, don't drink. If you do drink, get a designated sober driver or get a ride share. A DUI costs more than you think. Brought to you by the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Office. 466-377-6800-825-5865. Back to doctoring the baseball and spider tack and foreign substances. Ten games that's paid uh, enough, too little, just right. We can uh, discuss that for sure. But ten games is, is pretty much two starts, five-man rotation. I mean, this this is giving me big vibes of the uh, the Astros punishment, if you will, sure. where it's where it's they're trying more to get it out of the game more than they're trying to punish the guys for doing it. It's like, uh, okay, guys, like you've been caught, we know you caught. Uh, you now that you've been caught, just change up what you're doing. Uh, we won't be mad at you for what you've done in the past, where everyone else has been doing. But now that we're trying to crack down on it, just don't be an idiot. Well, it's it's affecting offense. It's affecting wow from the fans and the stands. And uh, and viewership, it's it's, you know what? If you can get to that no hitter or perfect game, sweet. It's cool. There's been six of them, but you want to see offense. You want to see the long ball. That is that's exciting, uh, and that's where owners and 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 really honestly, batters are coming from. Who are you circling? Have you picked yet? Have you predicted? Now that the College World Series field is set of course saturday one o'clock stanford nc state vandy the nightcap against arizona at six then you got uh, tennessee and uh, virginia at one texas and mississippi state at six on sunday and then you'll have your elimination games you'll have your winners brackets your losers brackets all that good stuff we'll have the uh the six o'clock game and the 1 o'clock game, I believe the 1 o'clock game Saturday, we'll have the 6 o'clock game Monday, and then we'll have the 1 o'clock game Sunday here on ESPN Lincoln. So we have the 6 o'clock game Monday right after us on Hill. Yeah. What, what yeah. game is that? Don't know. Uh, let's check. I have it pulled up here. It's going to – oh, games. it's to be determined still. Uh-huh. That's so, exactly. But it's, it's a winner's bracket, yeah? I, I believe so, yes. Hmm. I, I, I got to figure out – Less which team I think is going to win it all and which team I think is just my team to root for this year. I think you could see a Vandy-Tennessee finale. I, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think that Tennessee team's pretty good. I mean, that, that walk-off from Rose But who are you rooting for, though? Are you going to go with uh, with your son and go with uh, Vandy? You know, they just won it. No. Give me, give me Rocky Top. You're going to Tennessee? I think... I think I'll root for NC State just because of what they did to Arkansas. They got the the retribution for Nebraska, so I, I think I gotta I gotta root NC State. But so I, I don't think they're gonna win at all. You're you're adopting NC State, okay? All right. No, that's good. They're they're. I think what 2013 last time they were in Omaha, mm-hmm. so that'll be good. I, was, I wish I wish I had Dallas Baptist to root for. That was that's who I was going. You for. wanted uh, you wanted the the underdog, and you, you got a bunch of teams that have. Won it or been there before. Hour two on the way with Hale Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery.
Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Welcome to an hour two at Hale Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. Well, um, we have a virtual ice cream cake for him. We, we should have just got him one because he's blowing out the candles. Still a young pup. Jacob Padilla with us here from HaleVarsity.com and Magazine at uh, Jacob Padilla underscore on Twitter. Jacob, how are we celebrating the birthday? What's your plans today? I'm just driving back from the uh, the Lincoln Summer League uh, and hoping to be able to play a little bit of basketball myself later tonight if we get enough together. So your birthday wish is to, 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 to rain some threes with pickup later. Good for you. What was uh, what stuck out today during Summer League for, uh, for basketball? Uh, I don't know that anything in particular stuck out. Just kind of more seeing – Getting a, a better feel for all these teams, seeing them in a week two. Um, I think I think the Lincoln talent is pretty spread out. I think there are going to be a handful of teams in Lincoln that, that are really going to compete, and it'll be interesting to kind of watch the race for the city title there between Southwest and North Star and Pius. Um, a couple of these other teams are trying to kind of get in that same mix. Some of these teams are really experienced. Some of them have uh, younger guys that are trying to um, – kind of find find their way at, at the varsity level and uh, grow into difference makers. So um, I, th- I think uh, basketball in Lincoln is going to be fun to follow this year. Well, we've been covering it for years, and it's been uh, just great to see so many of the different teams play at a high level. Uh, and you're, the, the field's been you're chasing the, the Omaha Metro uh, and that speaks to championship Saturday in March. But you've had more and more Lincoln teams find their way. North Star's been to state. East has been to state. Pius and Coach Spitschka, they've won it, you know, and, and they've also played at a really high level. And, you know, Lincoln High isn't far removed from from, from some really good teams. Southeast has been there. So there, there, there's a wealth of talent in Lincoln. But, every you know, you're, you're chasing either some of those those central teams or the Omaha South or, of course, Bell West or, or, or Miller North, right? So in your opinion, what what's how, how is that gap still between Omaha and Lincoln when it comes to, to boys prep? Um, there's probably still a, a little bit of a gap there, just simply, I think, probably the two best teams in the state are, are Bellevue West and Omaha Westside, uh, just based on what they've got coming back mm-hmm. and what they've added. Um, so, And then after that, I think it does kind of open up, though. You, you've got some good teams, like Creighton Prep's always going to be good. Uh, you've got some others. But I think after that is kind of where Lincoln can kind of crack into that mix and that, that, that back half of the top ten, potentially, um, get a chance to earn a, a bit or two to state. Um, so I, I think a, a big part of the growth is kind of the improving uh, facilities and some, somewhere like the, um, the, the kinetic sports complex mm-hmm. that I just spent the, all, all day at is, uh, I think that's huge for the growth of basketball in Lincoln. That, that's kind of what I think sparked a lot of it up in Omaha is just kind of the, 
the expansion of facilities all over the place and all, all the different gyms that kids have the opportunity to um, go go hit to, to get better. And now we're starting to see and we can get uh, a little bit more of that as well. And I think that'll only continue to, to help the, the talent improve. Jacob, I think the, the, the top-level talent in high school basketball right now in Nebraska is the best I've ever seen in my lifetime. And you're talking about like new facilities still coming about in Lincoln. So do you think that that top-level talent is just going to keep on getting better and better over the next coming years? Or, or is this like we need to appreciate what we got right now? Yeah, I, I think the top-level talent is kind of, is cyclical. It's kind of the, the luck of the draw um, at, at a population level like um, Nebraska's. Mm-hmm. You're not going to have guys like Hunter Salas come along every year. You're not going to have top 100 guys like Isaac Trout every year. And even now we're seeing in that 2023 class, guys are still trying to kind of establish themselves. Um, we uh, Midnight last night is kind of the start of um, when D1 coaches can start reaching out. And- Hello, Jacob. Go ahead. Yeah. We lost you, bud. You said coaches were reaching out, and then you hit a dead spot. Oh, sorry. Um, yeah, coaches, uh, starting at midnight last night, coaches are able to reach out directly and call and text uh, 2023 kids, and, and it starts that recruitment more personally. Um, so we'll see kind of what's emerging in, in this next class, but I think a guy like Josiah Dotzler has a chance to um, be a really good player at the next level, and then we, we've got a lot of other guys that are still kind of I think we're, we're figuring out what level they're going to belong at the next uh, at the next level. And it was good to see uh, today, I guess, another highlight was uh, Brendan Clemens Jr. at North Star, yeah, who has been out the last few weeks with injury. And he was out there playing today. And, Welcome back, Brendan. Your first game is against Isaac Trout. Good luck. <laughs> so <laughs> that, that, that was fun to watch, though. So we'll see kind of where this next, the 2023, 2024, 2025 um, kind of classes, where they stack up compared to what we've seen. Uh, the last couple, 2021, 2022. But I, I definitely think we need to enjoy kind of what we have because you never quite know, again, when the next five-star or high four-star kid is going to come through these parts. Clemens is, is so much fun, and I've seen him at North Star, and I know he's battled some injuries, but great size, nice hands, good around the rim. Uh, we'll get to, to Isaac Trout in a second. I know he was at Virginia recently, but – Jacob, just in your opinion here, you, with uh, the, the, the dead period winding down, you know, what are the priorities for Nebraska and Coach Hoiberg here for 2023? What can they do locally and what, what do they do nationally here to, to make a, a big-time dent and keep adding to this talent at, uh, at PBA? Yeah, and obviously we've already seen them kind of laying down the, the groundwork for that class. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's still a lot of work to do in 2022, but they've been, in addition to the 2022 official visitors, they've been bringing in 2023 kids on unofficial visits. Obviously, Simeon Wilshire, the brother of uh, Xavier Transfer, um, C.J. Wilshire, mm-hmm. who's going to be playing for Nebraska, he was here. Uh, check out campus. Omaha Baloo, obviously we talked about him previously. And Gussie Alvin was just here this last week, nicknamed Baby Jokic. Uh, he's a big-body kid that has some, some real skills. So um, they're starting to kind of lay down the, 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 the groundwork and start building up those relationships with some, some really talented kids in that class. And 
and that's where I think the kind of the, the success that we talked about last week, where all right, this is kind of a big stretch here with Nebraska, where they got to start producing wins to go with some of these recruiting wins if they want to be able to kind of keep this going. Now, Jacob, I, I love Gus Yeldon. It's uh, his name on Twitter. I think is Gus Bus. You said his nickname's yep. Baby Jokic. He just seems to fit so perfectly into what Fred Hoiberg wants to do. I mean, you you can speak on that in, in a second um, with his ability to, to stretch the floor, run the point from the five position. Um, but whenever I, I look at it, I, I think the the major pundits out there right now are saying he's probably a Wisconsin guy. Um, is Wisconsin the team to beat right now? And would you agree with my assessment that he would fit well into what Hoiberg wants to do here at Nebraska? Yeah, I, I don't know if there's ever anybody truly to beat uh, when you're talking about kids that are two classes away. Uh, there's still so much time, and again, he just started taking visits. Um, there will be other schools that kind of dive in there as well. Um, and, and it's a kid that uh, he's kind of been around. He, he's gone to California for, for school. He's gone to Florida for high school. He's kind of transferred. He was at Modern Day and transferred to IMG. So he's a kid that's willing to leave home. He, he's been different places, so... I think there's a long way to go on that recruitment. But, yeah, I mean, Fred Hoiberg really likes skill. And he's a guy that, like you said, can step out and knock down a shot, can handle the ball on the perimeter um, for a guy of his size and can pass the ball a little bit. So that's kind of what he wants is kind of the ability to go five out. Um, there's there's a space. Obviously, with some of the guys they recruited, there's kind of a, a role for guys that are more traditional kind of rim runner types um, that, that kind of complements – some of their other playmaking guards and wings, but if you get a big guy that can um, can play with some skill, then uh, that that opens up a lot more within what Fred Horberg wants to do. Jacob Adil is with us, HailVarsity.com and Magazine, talking some summer leagues, some summer hoops. So, is in your uh, opinion, with uh, Trout's visit to Virginia, I know Sparty is on the horizon. I know North Carolina is on the horizon. Uh, he had a good time in Lincoln, but is Virginia the leader in the clubhouse now? Uh, I, they're, they're definitely up there. Um, they've been recruiting him a long time, and they've been going hard, pushing hard. Um, but I, I think he's going to, like I said, I think he's going to really um, kind of go into this with an open mind and really going to try to figure out a lot of stuff during these visits. And he mentioned um, the visits he's taking mm-hmm. are the, the schools that have shown the most interest in him. And that's where um, that, that's where he's choosing to use his official visits here. So, obviously, Nebraska, uh, Virginia, North Carolina, uh, Michigan State, and then um, Oklahoma is kind of another one he's looking to take probably in the fall. And then I think Creighton will still be in that mix as well. So I think that's probably the, the list that you're looking at. And I mean, a school like Virginia, they've had a lot of success recently, um, and they're probably selling on a couple guys they've had recently that have done very well there. So it's it's going to be an absolute battle, I think, down to the end with Isaac. And he said uh, he, he's not afraid to kind of push it through the, the late signing period. So I don't know that we're coming up on a decision anytime soon. Jake, I'm going to switch gears to football, and I know you, you hone in on hoops, but I love your take on – What's your eyes show you and tell you on film? And uh, we talked to Greg yesterday about Torres. You know, what, what's your take on Nebraska's perceived shift here to maybe throw first bigger body quarterbacks in the Big Ten, uh, kind of going away from probably the, the, the smaller dual threat guys 
but getting bigger guys that can still run, but man, have have great arms. What's uh, what's your take on Torres from what you've seen? Yeah, it certainly does seem um, like they are focusing more that way with the last few quarterbacks they've got with Heinrich Harburg and, and now Richard Torres, six five, six six type kids that um, big arms and. Um, like you mentioned, they, there is still a little bit of running ability there, but don't know that you're going to go out and have like 180 yard rushing gains from these guys. Um, so I, I think it, it's hard to know at this point. Obviously, it's two in a row, but how, how much of that is a complete philosophy shift, and how much of it is, hey, these are the guys that we like best out mm-hmm. of the ones that we had a chance at. Um, so I think that's still, uh, if they find a really talented dual threat guy in 2023, um, I don't think they'd. Uh, be shy about really going hard after that guy, but um, we'll have to see kind of over the next couple of years how this quarterback uh, battle goes in terms of this, the who, who succeeds uh, Adrian Martinez as a starter and kind of how things go with that because they struggled obviously a little bit running the offense to a certain degree, but they also haven't had all the pieces in place to see what it really looks like. So um, I, I think that's one we're going to need to continue studying uh, what they do on the field here right after Adrian Martinez and kind of who they continue looking at on the recruiting trail. Last side here, Jacob, I'll let you go celebrate your birthday. I was pretty intrigued by Coach Osborne's address to the team. We just got a, a four-minute snippet on social media. But uh, Coach Osborne was talking about the fact that there's enough talent here to, to play with anybody. And, you know, he put a challenge to the kids you know, what do you do with your talent? When you look at Nebraska's roster and talent and kind of scan across the Big Ten, you've got Ohio State that's on top of the mountain from a development and talent standpoint. Michigan's always recruited well. But Nebraska's been right there. Michigan, I should say, Wisconsin and Iowa and Northwestern do a wonderful job. So does Minnesota in talent development. Overall, if you were going to give me a, a talent number out of ten, what would you kind of rate Nebraska's talent, just roster and kids that are good athletes uh, as a whole here when you look at kind of the two deep or what we project anyway going into this season? Has talent been Nebraska's problem here the last couple of years? Uh, well, that, that's kind of an interesting discussion because uh, obviously in terms of star rankings and they're not the elite, but they're also above some teams that um, have had more success than them. It's kind of hard to differentiate, though, between that development and the recruiting in terms of, all right, were these kids really that talented and Nebraska just wasn't able to get much out of them, or were they misevaluated, or kind of what the deal, what was the deal there? So um, I think probably in that, what, seven-ish range, mm-hmm. six-seven range, kind of in terms of talent on the field, um, there's probably a little bit higher in terms of potential, I would say. Um, which is probably kind of more in line with what you're talking about when you say talent. Mm-hmm. But uh, until those guys actually get on the field and are part of the, the team uh, th- that, that's actually making a difference out there, then I, I don't know how talented you can say that the team really is because those are guys, we've seen a lot of four-star guys come in and not be able to really crack the rotation uh, and make a difference. So um, it, it's all tied in together in terms of when you're talking about talent, development, recruiting. It's all different parts of the same conversation, I think. Squeezing that juice out, isn't it? You know, what do you get out of it? And 
How do you perform uh, in key moments? Jacob, have a safe trip back. Have a wonderful birthday. Thanks for jumping on. It's been fun chatting with you. Yep, thanks for having me. All right, there he is, Jacob Badillo with us on Hale Varsity Radio. You know, that is uh, interesting here when you look at, you know, what's held Nebraska back. Has it been coaching? Has it been talent? Has it been development? Has it been focus? I mean, it's all a, it's all a giant circle. And there's different stops here as we get ready for the Big Red Blitz. There's been a game you've lost, and it's been one thing or another. We'll dive into the college football playoff discussion here. Is it time to do away with divisions? Uh, we'll get into it next to Tail of Our City Radio. Chime in, 402-466-ESPN, or email the show, chris at hailvarsity.com. Just try me, try me. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. Good to have you back. Numbers uh, to get in. Open phones here till 646-677-646-3776-800-825-5865. You can email chris at hailvarsity.com. Find us on Twitter. Uh, at Schmidt underscore radio at Herbal Essence for Elijah Herbal. Let's uh, get some more playoff talk. And this is interesting when we look at uh, the postseason. So you go through the list and we've seen projections like this going all the way back to when the 14 playoff was implemented. What would a what would a 12 team breakdown look like? And as you zoom out, there's been a, a lot of years where you'd have Bama, LSU, Georgia, or Bama, LSU, some years, Florida. And in a couple of instances, when it comes to projections with the 12th team, you had as many as four or five SEC teams. And while that can wear you out, you've you've had a handful of seasons, too, in the Big 12, uh, where... Okay, it's been Texas and Oklahoma, but only one got in. And, and Oklahoma's made it four times. And then you, you, you look over at the Big Ten, you have Penn State, you have Ohio State, and then some years, Wisconsin. There's been years where you've had two Big Ten teams in the New Year's Day Six, Penn State, Wisconsin, and you've had Ohio State in the, uh, the, the four-team playoff. So is, is this going to be the new normal and Pete Thamel uh, tweeting this out. As teams prepare to discuss the 12-team playoff, the fate of divisions going to be in the crosshairs. With more at-large bids at stake, leagues may find more urgency to put their two best teams in the league title game. Expect leagues to make a deep dive into this potential impact. What do you want as a Big Ten fan? Do you still want the Big Ten championship game pitting the West against the East? Or do you want it done Big 12 style where it's a round robin? Now, with 14 teams, you're not going to get a true round robin, and uh, that's problematic. You're not getting Alabama in most years where their crossover is going to be anyone tough beyond their their, their, their normal Tennessee East Division rival. They're they're border states. They hate each other. Bama plays Tennessee every year. Well, the last couple of years, you've had Florida, 
once in a while you get A&M is, uh, well, A&M is part of their division, but it's not often you're going to get Florida or Georgia on the schedule if you're Alabama as your crossovers with that SEC West. Uh, we've talked a lot about Nebraska's schedule where they're getting the who's who of the East Division. They played Ohio State a lot of years consecutively. They've gotten Penn State, uh, and, and they're going to have more Michigan on their schedule as Ohio State kind of rotates off. But your shot for the West, if you don't get a crack at an Ohio State, Michigan, or Penn State, let's say, is to get him in Indy for the Big Ten championship game. Um, do you want to risk, as the Big Ten, losing uh, a potential second team, say it's a three-loss Iowa team or a two-loss Iowa team in the Big Ten championship game that gets mauled by Ohio State? Uh, that's your division winner should they get the nod over a one-loss Penn State team. I think the playoff committee do the right thing, take a second Big Ten team, and even though a Penn State, if we're talking historically speaking, isn't a division winner, guess what? They're still going to get the nod. They're going to get the nod over the West division. Maybe they had a head-to-head. Maybe they've just got a better record. But uh, I don't. I don't know that the Big Ten's going to jump at this right away. I think the Big Ten, in most years, is gold getting two, and they'll have a good argument most years for three. I don't think that just completely nixing divisions is the way to go. I think that it's going to create more problems, more teams shaking their fist at the conference, saying, "Why'd you give us the schedule this year?" Um, but I think the way to go is just not to protect your big dogs, aren't you? Well, yeah, yeah, and I just don't think that that these rigid divisions were now is the way to go uh, in, in the future of college football. I think you go more towards rotating these divisions every two, three years. Every single two, three years, you have the uh, the commissioners come together and say, or not the commissioners, excuse me, the, the presidents, the athletic mm-hmm. directors come together and say, all right, let's rotate these divisions again. Let's balance out the power once again. So you're not going to have this loaded East and this weak West um, that we've seen the past couple of years, I guess you could say. Um, I, I think the way to go is just, I mean, keep your protected rivalries in the season, but then just rotate the divisions. I think every two or three years is the way to go. Even five would be better than what we have now. As a whole, you've had good balance. I know it's been Ohio State, Ohio State, Ohio State, and then you had Penn State one year. The West hasn't broken through in the Big Ten title game, clearly. But during the regular season, because of these crossover games, you've had the West rise up, and it's not been the West's best per se. I mean, it's been just absolutely what the hell. I mean, when Iowa crushed Ohio State, that was a good Iowa team, okay? Not a good Purdue team. Uh, Penn State's gotten damaged, quite honestly, the last couple, three years when they've had to cross over. They've, they, they survived Iowa. They've lost to, uh, to, to Nebraska last year. Minnesota stung them two years ago. So it, it's not easy. And you're going to have teams like Maryland I think creep up a little bit with their offense and their recruiting where they're going to be a pain in the neck and what North, Shiano could do at Rutgers too. yeah no I, I think you're right I think Rutgers is going to be a real nightmare uh, because of, of the talent he's going to harvest I mean he'll be he'll be great with that and, and Northwestern right Northwestern makes every quarterback look bad they made fields look horrible his numbers were identical to what got Adrian Martinez yanked in that championship game. So I don't know if you if you do away with the divisions 
to uh, to set yourself up for for a second team. Maybe you look at it. I don't know. I don't have the I don't have the answer. I know I'm supposed to, but keep giving me the divisions, and then just let the playoff committee make the call on a second Big Ten team or a third. I I, I really think in a lot of years Wisconsin or Iowa has has made enough arguments. If they're in a New Year's New Year's Day six, okay, they're they're your they're your second or third team you shouldn't be penalized for losing the, t- the conference title game uh, you should be part of the playoff and you shouldn't also be penalized for being second if your only loss all season long is three points to ohio state like a lot of those penn state games where they're they're score fest and, ohio- and penn state didn't close the deal i think penn state's soon to drop off they don't have that elite offensive talent when when they had Saquon and company, okay, they'll they'll still be really good. Uh, when it comes to the West, I mean Northwestern's a team that I know they they stubbed their toe against uh, Michigan State last year, but they were good and they found ways to win about every game. Uh, more from from Thamel uh, when it comes to different scenarios to consider. Could a league's top ranked team get upset by an eight and four team and end up? Uh, having that league shut out of the college, the the, cons, uh, the college football playoff, I think if I'm if I'm the Pac-12, I'm really concerned about that. Absolutely, I'm not concerned about it if I'm the Big Ten or the SEC, or even the the the, the Big Twelve per se. But if I'm uh, Central Florida, if I'm uh, if I'm Oregon, and I'm I'm in a down Pac-12, I'm worried about it. The ACC, what happens, God forbid, if Clemson loses a, a non-conference showdown, one of those neutral site games, and then they get stung by somebody in the, 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 the ACC championship. And it's not a vintage Miami team. This hurt Nebraska. This absolutely slapped Nebraska in the inaugural Big, Big 12 title game where James Brown and those pukes from Texas – uh, shocked Nebraska. Nebraska's going to play for another national championship. They were there. They uh, couldn't outscore Texas that day. That was weird, man. Because the defense carried the, the 96 Huskers all, all season long. And you had a, a game where a lot of, this isn't excuse making, ask Coach Darlington or Grant or whoever. You had a lot of dudes with the flu, and then you had to suspend Terrell Farley as well. So you were. <laughs> He was short and All-American, and Mike Minner played well, mind you. He did really well filling in an outside backer. But the point is, is Texas and Priest Holmes, with Ricky Williams blocking for him, mind you. John Makovic was brilliant. They they were uh, an eight-win Texas team, seven-win Texas team that, that scored 37 that day. We won't bring that up to Warfield tomorrow, <laughs> even though he had a great game. But that's that's your case in point, where coaches 25 years ago were freaking out over conference title games, uh, oh. now now they they print money. They're too expensive. To, they're, they're too much, too much revenue to not have. But I don't think I don't think the Big Ten jacks with the divisions. I don't think the SEC jacks with divisions. I think you can see the Pac twelve do it. And then the, but, the but Big not, Twelve already doesn't have divisions. Is that no, correct? No, it, it's just round robin. So I I think that could and be their two best teams play. But it, again, it's only a ten team league. But that, that that could be the response from the Big Ten is just see if the Big Twelve has become. Do they get an advantage in college football playoff selection? Do they get a, do they get a second or third team over a Big Ten, mm-hmm. 
and I don't know. I mean, I think right now your your playoff predictor says, okay, you're going to get Oklahoma in as one of your four, and then Iowa State's a good enough team to, to be a second. What's Texas do, right? Well, you're going to have an early non-conference showdown, kind of an elimination and an argument game with with what Iowa does in Iowa State. They play every year, third week of September. The uh, the Civil War goes on there in Iowa, and and that'll tell a lot. We'll see how good Iowa is this year. What do they do in the West? How do they navigate the crossovers? And are they uh, are they a ten and two team with uh, like they were two years ago, where they had uh, two or three losses by a combined total of twelve points? This is good for Nebraska too. Uh, we talked about Coach Osborne. We talked about his message. There's enough talent to to hang and. and be be with anybody on a given Saturday. What do you do with that talent? Well, you expand the playoff for 2023. Uh, there is an opportunity to do some work. If you're Nebraska, get in the picture. It's now expanded. It's not just four. Uh, you can still get better, close in on Ohio State, compete with Ohio State someday. I mean, you have in the Frost era. Not two, not the last two games, but the first time you met him, you absolutely did. Shoulda, coulda, woulda beat him. That door's open, and that door's going to be held open for the Big Ten and the SEC. But uh, the Big Twelve, they um, they've got their opportunity to, to get there too. What happens with the Pac-12? I don't know. Uh, we'll take your calls. Coming up four six six three seven seven six. And now, and now back to Hale Varsity Radio. Thanks for hanging out. Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris and Elijah. Find us on Twitter. Chris Schmidt at Schmidt underscore radio at Herbal Essence for Elijah. So saw this on Twitter and I think it's great. Elijah, make a case for me, for you to be on the college football playoff committee. Let's put a fan on the committee. The th- thing I, fu- I saw that was funny uh, was, uh, you know, Dr. Pepper Larry. <laughs> I told Dr. Pepper here, that guy uh, as part of the playoff committee. That's that's hilarious. Uh, and why not? Because you're going to have some folks that are commissioners, former coaches, people in the media, one year, kind of Lisa Rice was on there and uh, gone to the days of having Osborne and uh, Barry Alvarez on there, two coaches that, that know football. Uh, but now, why not kind of do the uh, the average Joe thing and, and put a fan on there? I nominate Elijah Herbal. The, the case for myself is I've been watching college football, I mean, for as long as I can remember, uh, since I was I mean, got to be five or six. I'd, I'd wake up on Saturday mornings and I'd watch college game day. And then uh, I would watch all the college football games for the day. And considering now I don't have a wife, I don't have a girlfriend, I can spend the entirety of my Saturdays watching college football. And it's, it's in fact, my job for here to, to go and watch all the college football games that I can. Um, I'm not like these uh, these old guys that are currently on the committee. They have, you know, grandkids they have to go uh, spend time with. They have a wife. They don't, have kids. don't kid yourself. They went away from their wife. And if their grandkids <laughs> scream, they sure as hell went away from their grandkids. Well, I thought I was making a pretty good point there. But. No, no, it is. Uh, you, you, you're not attached to... Uh, adult things yet. No, I, I care much more about, about football about football and about finding the best 12 teams in the country than I do about a girlfriend right now. Um, that is just simply where I'm at in life. So I think I could do a much better job. But even if I don't get 
the nod as the as the fan on the college football committee even if, i mean that's never going to happen uh they should I, I think they should at least add some more transparency into the process though i hate that the process oh they're, they're getting together they're going to meet and tomorrow we're going to find out who they've picked give us a live stream of, of what these guys are saying like i, I want to hear their let rationale us let us in we, we don't want to... we don't have to be on the committee just let us hear what the committee has to say Let's just live stream it, mic it up like it's Monday night football. Like, like it's a city council meeting. Let's have fans in attendance. Let's let's have them uh, cheering whenever the committee says something good for their team and booing when the committee says something bad for their team. Make it fun. But uh, that's that's a little over the top, I know. But at the end of the day, though, I want to know why the committee is picking one team over another. And at, to this point, we haven't had it. We, we've had the the pundits on on the uh, the selection show on ESPN telling us, well, they didn't get in because of their strength of schedule. It's the eye test, Elijah. You don't know, let me hear what the committee has to say. Why did this team not pass the committee's eye test? Why is this too long? team from the SEC getting in well, what what about them is so much better than this group of five undefeated team let me know that's what I want from the college football committee this is not fair or nice to say but it does cross my mind you've got SEC you've got ESPN and they are partners they're business partners and as a entity I mean, you don't have the game. That's CBS that shells out for the, the 2.30 Saturday, right? C- CBS is very specific and, quite frankly, brilliant with their investments. They get you, you know, Bama, whoever, nine times out of ten, uh, Saturday at 2.30. They have your NCAA tournament. They have your Masters then they're good, okay? I mean, they, they, they cherry-pick beautifully. Oh, and then, but you can't forget about their NFL, too. They, oh, they, they, yeah, have, they yeah. have one of the best broadcast teams in Tony Romo. I was yeah. getting to the NFL, but you're, yeah. you're right. I mean, they, they have your, 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 your wild ball games again your Sunday afternoon. It's not Sunday night like, like NBC, and it's not your Saturday night ESPN, but it's really pretty good. It's America's Game of the Week. It is. So CBS does it right. and But ESPN and the SEC, you got the SEC Network. Listen, those guys are really class and high level and talented with what they do covering games. But don't kid yourself. You've got, and if you're in business with somebody, you gotta, you got to back them and promote them. But you're going to get hammered. I mean, we're going to have, we're going to have this moment and it's great for debate. But if it, if it becomes implemented, it's a problem. It's a problem if Auburn or if Mississippi or Tennessee or, or pick a third or fourth rung SEC squad in the pecking order gets a nod over a, a third, a third Big Ten team. If, if you lay out the schedules and say, okay, uh, here's who you played in the non-conference. Here's what your record was. And then you get the, the song and dance eye test. I love your idea about live streaming this discussion. Let's make it transparent. Because the, this You're gonna, we're getting these tinfoil hat theories about them putting the SEC teams in now because it's not transparent. This is, this is why it needs to be implemented is because we're sitting here going, oh, are they putting this SEC team in because they're partnered with SEC Network? And do I think that's it? And guess what? Nine times out of ten in the old system, you're going to see a 9-3 and three Auburn see play a 9-2 and two Wisconsin. 
who's going to win that game? Well, for a while, the SEC would trounce. Recently, the Big Ten's done well against the SEC, not named Purdue. Okay? (laughs) (laughs) All right? Other than that, it's worked out okay uh, when you get the head-to-head. But then you know, they didn't want to be there. Well, whatever. Okay? What's fascinating, though, is that 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 Auburn example, okay, where you can have an Auburn team that one Saturday can take down Georgia and can take down Alabama as both play for the national championship, but yet Auburn can stub their toe and go eight and four and then get rocked by a really good Central Florida team. So you want to talk about consistency, where are you? And it's one of the reasons Gus is now at Central Florida, which is idiotic, but it's off the, the Yellow Brook Road we go. So I, I, I love that. Let me see the meetings, put a fan there, or let's let's get a panel of fans from the Power Five and a group of five. Let's, uh, let's throw some fans in there. Well, not, ESPN could make money if they're putting up on ESPN the, the, the selection meetings, like a little two-hour thing on that, uh, on that, what is that, Sunday afternoon? Put, yeah. put it up. You don't have any NFL games to cover no, on, you that, don't. on that Sunday afternoon. Just put up the, the... I mean, they could make money off of this. I don't see why they're not doing it. I, it's got to be the commission members don't want their opinions out there. They want to be they want to be able to be able to say what they say without fear of retribution. I think what but. you do is you, you make it uh, a little more reality TV friendly. Ooh, like Bachelor style. Well, you could. I'm mean, not a Bachelor guy, but I think you, you lock... You keep bringing beer and you lock in... You have a spokesperson, and then you have five other committee members that are fans that are that are selected uh, per conference, and then they come to a uniform decision, and their voice is heard. Let's spread it out from one fan to one fan per league, mm. and it's it's a it's a Sunday a beer drinking, and and reason because that always happens. <laughs> And then their input can be shared and, and maybe taken. While we're this deep in the woods, why not just make it a like Shark Tank style? We got the committee all sitting up there, and you have an athletic director and a coach, and like maybe the team captain walk in and they give their pitch why they think they should be in the college football playoff, and then the committee just rips them apart. Give me the best beer pong player in the Big Ten to go head to head with the best beer pong player in the SEC, and there's who gets their vaunted third team in. We'll wind down a Tuesday at Hale Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Miss us? Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring it in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at HailVarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. One thing that's interesting, if, if the Big Ten were to punt divisions, you've got Ohio State, and then fair to say that gap for number two is shrunk i think it has i mean it's not james franklin and penn state is your clear-cut number two every year anymore they're 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 human (laughs) now i mean uh, it's it's interesting we'll see ohio state's good penn state wisconsin iowa northwestern yeah you do have uh, vic who emails in he likes six conference champs Maybe eight conference champs. What he doesn't want is to see the trilogy of, of Bama, Georgia. Because <laughs> you could get Bama, Georgia in the regular season. You could get Bama, Georgia 
in the conference title game. Would you get him in in the third? So that's good stuff. I uh, it'll work out. Bottom line is the doors. It's now a. It's not just a single door where you got to know the password. It's expanded to the point where you, you, there's there's eight other teams that can fight, and then you get to the semis and see if you got one shining moment in you. It's going to be tough, though, to win. For There's no one who's going to win three straight to go call it. It's not like basketball. With football, winning three straight, ugh, it's a tough ask. It's a big-time tough ask, even if you get to host that opening round game at your home site. Yeah, I mean, the, the college football playoff, like, they're throwing in these these group of five teams as, like, Cinderella's, I guess, if you will. And I don't think there's going to be a, a Cinderella, at least in the near future in the college football playoff. I mean, you might get the, the one-off. Uh, that's able to go do it, and it's going to be an incredible story, and they're going to do 30 for 30s on it in 20 years. But I just don't think that the way this is set up, I guess we don't know how long these teams are going to have in between games. But a week. I, I mean, I, you would think that they've got to expand that just a little bit. Two weeks, maybe? I mean, if, if they're if they're starting these after the... Uh, I mean, open up the bowl season with the first round, and then give them two weeks, and then it's the next round, and then a little after January 1st is the third round, and then you have the championship game mid-January. Give them two weeks between all the games. I, I think it could be a little bit more competitive, but I, I'm with you. Is if you're only giving teams a week in between these matchups, and now... I mean, you got to do all your game planning for the top can, teams in the country can, week in, week out. You, you're not going to have these teams that are coming from the first the first round of games into the, the championship game. They're it's not. not they're not going to survive the semis. <laughs> no. Or yeah, the the, the quarters. Excuse me. Uh, this is um, another email from Kent. He is going ageism on you. He wants somebody older than you, so he's nominating himself. Oh, he probably can't even stay up for Pac-12 after dark, though. You know, I think he probably can. <laughs> I, I, I don't think, actually know Ken. I apologize, Ken. He's I, all, not, no, Ken's good stuff. This, this is not a personal attack, but I'm young, and I stay up late, and I watch Pac-12 after dark, and you're probably in bed by 1030. Michael's got a good point. He uh, he uh, hits us up on Twitter to Vic's point about not wanting to see the trilogy. And that's just it. We were talking about earlier, you're not going to have the SEC schedule and crossovers. I mean, it's been 10 years, it feels like, since Bama and Florida played in a crossover. They did this year. But most times, you keep Bama safe. You keep LSU safe. I mean, eventually, they come up on your schedule. But Michael uh, tweets in, considering Bama and Georgia meet uh, in the regular season as as often as Neptune goes around the sun, I wouldn't worry about the trilogy. We'll talk more tomorrow. Thanks for hanging out.